This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you that are watching today. And if you're watching today for the very first time, I want to encourage you to stay tuned as we're going to talk about five things to do. Five things to do. These are the two little passages in the New Testament that we're going to be looking at today. Stay tuned. Now, we continue to offer the free Bible correspondence course. Some of you have already studied the course. If you have not yet mailed it back in for grading, please do that as soon as possible. We want to encourage people to get to know the Bible. Now that you might know more about the Bible course, if you've not received it, if you would like to know how to receive it, why don't we pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580 or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. On a previous telecast, we read to you from 1 Corinthians, the 16th chapter, verses 13 and 14, in talking about five things to do. Today, we would like to continue our study of those two passages of Scripture, but let me read them again to you. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13 and verse 14. Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong, let all that you do be done with love. The church at Corinth needed this exhortation. There were so many problems in the church at Corinth. They were divided over their favorite preacher and they were immature and, and there was immorality in the church at Corinth. They had abused the Lord's Supper. There was backsliding. There, there was religious error being taught at Corinth. And so they needed this exhortation. And we noticed in a previous telecast, the very first one of those where, he, where Paul told them to watch to watch. Now he says, stand fast in the faith. Just like the tide of war rolls its threatening masses toward a, a, a group of people, and the advancing column of the enemy begins to threaten to overwhelm the, the defenders, the leader calls out, to his forces, stand fast. There was a gospel preacher in another age by the name of T.B. Larimore. There's a book that my dad bought the year I was born, The Life Letters and Sermons of T.B. Larimore. And I've read that book many times. Before I began to preach, I read that book. And in that book, Brother Larimore had a sermon on steadfastness. And, and, and he related that at the first battle of Manassas, 
to steady his wavering forces that General B shouted, There stands Jackson like a stone wall. And then Brother Larimore related that he was afterward known as Stonewall Jackson. You know, the scriptures abound with calls to steadfastness. For example, look at verse 58 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So there it says, be steadfast. Some had been otherwise than steadfast in the first century. In Galatians 5 and 7, Paul said to these Galatians, you did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? They had not been steadfast. And there's the danger that people will drift away from the Lord. That's why in Hebrews chapter 2 and 1, we're told to give more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest any time we should drift away from them. You can drift away from the Lord. You can drift away from the truth. And so Paul tells the Corinthian church, stand fast, stand fast. The early church in this very beginning, the day of Pentecost, the day the church began, recorded in the second chapter of Acts, was a steadfast church. Listen to Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. So we need to stand fast in the faith. I have known of people to obey the gospel, and they would remain steadfast for a time. And then the breezes began to blow against them, and they began to waver, and they began to, to bend like a tree in the forest under the under the breath of a gale, and it's not long until that individual has drifted away from the faith. But Paul said, stand fast in the faith. Now, the third of these five exhortations is be brave or Act like men. Quit you like men. The opposing line breaks in the shock of battle when these two armies meet. And there's a familiar voice that comes out to the soldiers amid the tumult. Be brave. Be men. And you know we're to act like men, not like children. Sometimes people never grow out of their childhood. Paul said, when I was a child, I spake as a child, I thought as a child, understood as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. Solomon was told in 1 Kings chapter 2 and verse 2, show yourself a man. Be brave, act like a man. Don't act like a child. 
In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 14, Paul said, Be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. We're to behave like men, not like children. There are so many childlike qualities that we, we need to do away with. We need to know ourselves as men. You know, in Jeremiah chapter 5 and verse 1, Jeremiah said he was looking for a man. He is running through the streets looking for a man. Diogenes is said to have gone through the streets of Athens in broad daylight with a lighted lantern in his hand. And when he was asked by one of the citizens for the object of his search, he replied, A man, sir, I have found children in Sparta and women in Athens, but I have not found a man. If we show ourselves men, there are certain traits of children that must be put away. One of those is vainglory. Now that's when a person wants the attention. That's when they crave attention. And they are vainglorious. In Philippians 2, Paul said, Each of you, looking not only on his own things, but also on the things of others. That's a childish trait of always wanting the attention. I think one of the reasons some people act the way they do is because they are trying to get attention. The reason some of people have what I would refer to as bizarre behavior is just a childlike trait of craving attention. And so we need to act like men, put away childish things. I'll tell you something else that is a childlike trait, and that's tattling gossiping, talking, out of turn. Children are prone to tattle on one another. I've even heard little children talking and one of them aggravates the other one and says, I'm going to go tell on you. I'm going to tell on you. That's tattling. And people sometimes don't grow out of that childlike trait when they get older. And they become tattlers and busybodies. In First Timothy chapter 5 verse 13, Paul is talking about widows and he had encouraged young widows to marry because of the danger of, of becoming childlike in that they would be saying things ought not to be saying. He said, with all they learn to be idle. And not, not only idle, but they're wandering about from house to house. And they're speaking things which they ought not. They were gossiping and tattling. So he's saying they, they, they need to be married. In Proverbs chapter 26 and verse 20, I want you to listen to what Solomon said. Where no wood is, the fire goes out. Now, that's pretty obvious, isn't it? And where there is no tail bear, strife ceases. If there is strife in a home, at work, in the community, in the nation, in the church, well, then there's somebody that's stirring up that strife. So where, though, where there is no wood, the fire goes out. 
where there is no talebearer, strife ceases. Let me just read verse 21, verse 22 as well. As charcoal is to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. The words of a talebearer are like tasty trifles, and they go down into the inmost body. That's childish. We need to heed Moses' advice to the children of Israel in Leviticus 19 and verse 16, where he said, You should not go up and down as a talebearer among the people. Act like mature people. Put away gossiping, tattling. Another thing that is characteristic of children is envy and jealousy. Haven't you seen children begin to quarrel because one has something, the other wants it? That's envy, that's jealousy. And that's a terrible sin. That, that was a sin actually that contributed to the death of Jesus. He knew that for envy they had delivered him up, Matthew 27, 18. And envy is such a bad, bad thing that Solomon in Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 30 likened it to a, uh, a, a, a cancer in a person. He says it's rottenness of the bones. Cancer, it, it's, a, it's a, like a sore in the soul. He likens envy to the rottenness on the inside of an individual. There's a terrible sin. Well, that's characteristic of children. Put that away. Something else that's characteristic of children is wrangling. Have your children ever wrangled a little bit? They ever get in a little fuss? That's another way of saying it. They're fussing. Some people never grow out of that, and they're always fussing and wrangling in life. But that's characteristic of children. Quit you like men. Be, 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 a, be mature and do things that bring peace and then instability. You know, one of the tests of maturity is the ability to stick with responsibility. Now, a failure to stick with responsibility is a, is a childlike trait. And then another childlike trait is pouting. When you do not get your way, do you pout like a little child? But Paul, in writing to the Corinthians church, he said, be brave. And he said, I want you to act like mature people. But then the next of these exhortations was be strong. As the fury of the battle begins to rage, the, the leader lifts his banner, and in order that he might encourage his forces, he says, I want you to be strong. And God wants strong Christians. Be strong in the Lord, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. You know, strength is the normal condition of the Christian. We Christians are spiritually diseased Christians. There were weak Christians in the church at Corinth. In 1 Corinthians 11 and 30, Paul said, to, to, For this cause many are weak and sickly among you. They had made an abuse of the Lord's Supper and it showed their spiritual immaturity and it showed that they were spiritually sick. What can we do to be strong? Well, it may encourage us to abound in prayer. That will help us to be strong. 
Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. Matthew 26, verse 41. We need to pray. We can be strong by avoiding things that would cause us to be weak. Now that sounds so simple that it, it, is, that it might be hard for us to do it. Avoid things that would cause you to be weak. Avoid evil influences. In 1 Corinthians 15, 33, the Bible says that evil companionship can corrupt good morals. And then in order to be strong, we must work. We have to use the strength that we have. In Haggai 2 and 4, the Bible says, be strong and work. Some people don't want to work. And hence, they are not strong people. They are weak people. We need to work. We need to use the strength that we do have. And in order to be strong, we need to seek solid knowledge of things that are divine. If we're to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, 2 Peter 3.18, we need to resort to the source of the knowledge that we need. And that's the Bible. In 1 Peter 2 and 2, Peter said, As newborn babes desire, there's the key word, desire. Desire what? Desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. I'm going to be a strong Christian. I've got to, I, I must feed my soul on something to make me strong. I, I'm not going to be strong just sitting watching television all day long. I'm not going to be strong by listening to uh, music all day long. I'm not going to be strong by, uh, by getting involved in some sporting event. If, I, if I'm going to be strong, I've got to feed my soul on solid food, the food of God's Word. Our Lord in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4 said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so be strong. Now the fifth of these five exhortations is this. Let all that you do be done in love. Not let some of the things that you do be done in love. Let everything you do be done in love. And as Christians, we struggle with that. Preachers struggle with that. Sometimes we have things that happen that would cause us to sort of get a little riled up. And we need to take a step back. And we need to say, now, just exactly... How would the Lord want me to handle this? And let all that you do, let it be done in love. We should never, 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 never do anything through revenge. Why God said in Romans chapter 12, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Let, let's not try to do God's business. If somebody needs to be repaid, if they've hurt you, you let God take care of it. 
You don't do God's business. And our motive at all times and under all circumstances should be to love. We're to love God. Of course we're to love God. We're to love Him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. And this is the love of God that we keep His commandments, 1 John 5, 3. We're to love Jesus. Why in John chapter 14 and verse 15, Jesus said, If you love me, if you do, keep my commandments. I want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 16 again, and this time verse 22. If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. O Lord, come. Our motive should be love at all times. But what does it really mean to love? Well, love is the greatest thing there is in all of the world. I'm to love my brethren. Let brotherly love continue, Hebrews 13, 1. Matthew 5, 44 says, I'm to love my enemies. We're to love the church like Jesus loved the church. You'll never, you will never love like Jesus loved until you learn to love the church. Ephesians 5, 25 says, Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Going back to 1 Corinthians again, we turn back to the 13th chapter. And the 13th chapter is a chapter about love. And I find it very interesting that in the letter written to a church that had so many sources of tension and discord in it that Paul devoted an entire chapter to the subject of love. And I don't believe that it was an accident it was not an accident that the Holy Spirit inspired chapter 13 because love is the key to all the problems they were having in the church at Corinth. He said, let all that you do be done in love. It's the greatest thing in the world. Notice the characteristics of love. Love suffers long. Are you long-suffering? Are you patient with people? And then he says, love is kind. Are you kind with people? Love vaults not itself. That is, love does not push itself forward to be noticed. Do you have to have the attention all the time? Do you have to be in the spotlight? And then he says, love is not easily provoked. Sometimes we talk about a person flying off the handle. We, that we mean by that, that they're easily provoked. Are you easily provoked? Love isn't. And then he says, love does not think evil. It thinketh no evil. Love thinks the best. I should think the best of other people until they have proven that I'm wrong. Love rejoices not in iniquity, but love rejoices in the truth. 
And then Paul says that love bears all things. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. And he says, love never fails. It never fails. We're wondering today in America... What can we do to bring peace to our nation? What can we do to ease the tension in our world today? Let all that you do be done in love. You see, love was the key to the troubled Corinthian church. And it may sound rather simple, but it's the answer to man's problems today. Do you not remember a number of years ago a song that was being sung? What the world needs now is love, sweet love. Now, I don't know what the author of those lyrics had in mind when he, when he or she wrote that song. But I can tell you when it comes to agape love, the love of the Bible, that what the world needs to do right now all over the world is to let all that we do be done in love. Do you love the Lord enough that you give your life to Christ today by believing on Him and repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in Christ by being baptized? Because the Lord said so, not because Brother Lambert said so. Because Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Would you do that? The Lord will add you to the church, to His church. Acts 2.47 and you worship with the brethren, be faithful, one of these days heaven will be your home. You can use these five things to sort as a guidepost in the living of the Christian life. You'll never go wrong by doing what's right. I want to thank you for watching today and in the closing moments, may I give you a personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community. And also right now, why don't you pick up the telephone and call for the free Bible course. If you have taken the course and you have not yet mailed it back in for grade, why don't you do that today? We had one return just recently that someone had had for five years. Don't hold it that long. Come on back with it now. I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer. Being at Faulkner is like being a part of a big family. I feel safe here. It seems like I know everybody, and even my professors know me by name. My faith in Christ has grown a lot since coming to Faulkner, especially working with this outstanding Bible department and seeing the general Christian lives of all the professors on campus. Faulkner University is a growing, academically strong institution where Christ is the center of everything we do. Visit our website today to see what Faulkner has for you. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, 
or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.